Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential, where all month long we are talking about packing our bags and getting back out in the world. I am, of course, your host, Michael Sherlock. And I have to say, you know, the the method, the reasoning for this um, series this month is really very selfish. I want to start with myself getting excited again about where we can travel, what we can see, what we can learn, and how much we can be a part of the global uh, world between people, economies, just different parts of us. And I'm very, very excited uh, that we're getting closer every day. So my guest today is Kevin Albin, Albin, and he was a police officer in the UK for 25 years, during which time he served on a tactical firearms team. And now this was no, not a stressful position as all, at all, but he also worked as a hostage negotiator. So at some point in time, I think he said, hmm, maybe it's time for something else. So he retrained as an international mountain leader and has worked around the globe guiding and trekking trips and leading expeditions in conservation. So he's got some great passion. In 2011, he won the, the Bronze Award in the World Guide Awards. And unfortunately, like all of us, the last year has kept him from traveling. And, and during that time, instead of, uh, you know, feeling sorry for himself, he wrote and published an eco-fiction novel called Stone Child, where the statues of London come to life with a message on saving the planet. And he currently lives in France. And I can't wait to learn more about all this. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show, Michael. I love, uh, I know we're going to talk about the book, so we'll get into that, but I just love the premise because the first time I went to London, just walking around and seeing the statues and so much history and you feel like they're alive in so many ways. So I can't wait to dive into that. But prior to that, I hit just a couple of the highlights of your background, but tell us a little bit more about you and, you know, your business when the world is not in a pandemic and, you know, a little bit about why you think travel helps people to shock their potential. Certainly. Uh, you, you've summed me up very well. Uh, a, the history there is absolutely identical. And to quote someone from a film, you know, one day I woke up and the police uniform just didn't fit any longer. Mm. It was as simple mm. as that. Um, I, I'd reached the dizzy height of being uh, an inspector in the police. So I was looking after a police area in charge of a, a police station and all the strategy and finances and everything that goes with that. Certainly the responsibility. But things had changed in Britain, and I'm sure it's exactly the same in the States. You know, mm -hmm. The government have different agenda. Uh, I joined the police in order to help people. That was the fundamental reason for, for joining. You know, people are in, you've had your house burgled, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you, you ring the police and, and you want them there by the time you put the receiver down. It's, it's as simple <laughs> as that. We, we weren't yes. doing that. We weren't doing that. So... Uh, it, it turned out it was a friend of mine who, who made mention when I said, I think I'm leaving. And he said, look, over a coffee one day or might have been a beer. I don't know. And he <laughs> said, um, he said, look, you're always in the mountains. Why don't you become a guide? And it was like a penny dropping. That was it. And within a week, I was starting the long process of, of getting qualified. 
I, I started off when I got the first qualifications as a guide, because you start in Britain with a summer qualification, then winter, then international, and took me about seven years in total. Wow. Um, you, I started off working with uh, young adults, so between 16 and, and sort of 20, 21 years of age, taking them overseas to some distant land, uh, Africa, Tanzania, for example, and they would have an experience for a month being away from home, being away from their parents um, during the summer holidays. And they're, they're in that month, they would have a month of doing activities, uh, climbing a mountain such as Kilimanjaro, for example. They would work on a local project. On one occasion, we worked with a local school, helping them, helping them with their education. Mm. Um, they would learn leadership skills, working as a team. There would be some confrontation, of course. So they'd Absolutely. have to learn how to deal with that sort of confrontation. And, we, and these companies that do this, they find that when you take someone out of their comfort zone and put them into what they perceive as a hostile environment, mm -hmm. they become very attentive. And therefore... Yes they are ready to learn. So all of those skills are very easy to present. And we, and we do it in such a way that there's also some R&R, some relaxation, but, but it, it's meant to challenge them. And they come back very different people. I bet they do. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful scheme. It, and it doesn't, it, I've never seen it here in France. I don't know if it's in the States or not, but, but it's very active in the UK. There's a lot of it going on. So on from that, I went on to work for charity companies, uh, which is, an, again, a very UK thing. So uh, you've had uh, cancer, perhaps you have a son, as I do, uh, with type one diabetes. Um, you want to raise some money for research. Then you set about walking on the Great Wall of China, climbing up to Machu Picchu, again, Kilimanjaro, something along those lines. And you ask people to sponsor you and you raise several thousand pounds for research, for um, whatever it might be, care of other people. It, it's a wonderful scheme. And you get to climb the mountain and have this amazing experience. And the charity gets the money and the company organizing it gets some money. And I get work as a guide. So right. and, and local people benefit because they're employed hotels. It's a win win for everyone. Yes. What I found was that on these trips, uh, I was meeting wonderful people. You know, the, the, they all came with a reason. They all came with um, some people who had been sick themselves. So, so people who were in remission from cancer, those sorts of things. People who'd had a bereavement, uh, you know, husband, wife had died, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, on one or two extreme cases, I can recall a woman who was on a trip and her husband had died seven years previously. And she hadn't talked to anyone about it. Oh, wow. And because we, they're in a challenging environment, and maybe from being a hostage negotiator with a listening ear, I found people coming out with their stories, their life stories, and in a way of a form of counselling, it was listening, engaging, bringing others, peoples into the conversation, all facing the challenge together. Mm -hmm. uh, and we very quickly became close, team-like, um, and it was cathartic, without a doubt. It was cathartic for lots and lots of people. And oh, it was yeah. on the basis of that that I am sure I won the award because of the number of people that I'd, I'd been involved in, touched perhaps, who voted for me when the World Guide Boards were on. But 
I loved your title. That's what drew me to your podcast, you know, shock your potential. That's exactly what these people were doing. Um, they came on perhaps a little bit of a mission. You know, I've been divorced. I'm in a bad place at the moment. Life's not good, but I'm, I'm climbing this mountain with this guide and all these other lovely people with similar stories. I mean, yeah. they really shocked their potential. You know, they went back completely different people, just as the young kids did. They went back invigorated and uh, with comments of, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do something different. You know, absolutely yeah. fabulous. Loved it. And it, and it was, for me, it, it was, it was a source of energy. It was, it was, it was my raison d'être. It really was very, very special to me. Yeah. Mm. It, was, it must be exceptionally hard then this last year, not to only oh. not be able to travel, but not to be able to be involved with people and help them as well as, you know, gain benefit from that yourself. Absolutely. And in fact, my outlet, I'm a very uh, energetic person. Um, I don't, I don't sit still at, at all. My outlet was the book Stone Child. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, sitting down, writing that. Uh, I came up with the idea some years ago. In fact, I was working in London with a corporate group and they were standing in front of a statue, the Royal Tank Regiment Memorial statue in London. And they were taking absolutely ages over this clue. <laughs> It wasn't difficult. They just were not getting it. And I and I just something popped in my head as if the statue came alive. You know, you can imagine the statue going, come on, guys, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. <laughs> and that was it. The seed was there. The seed was there. And then it grew and grew. I got involved more and more with conservation work and mm -hmm. I try to think, why would the statues come alive? Well, they would come alive if, if there was a need, and the need is now with conservation, without a doubt. And uh, the idea never went away, and I took this opportunity to write it, self-published it, and uh, it's doing okay. I'm very pleased. I love it. I actually, um, so I've written a couple business books, and I write them in novel format, but two years ago, my husband and I uh, were able to go to Greece. We went to Rhodes with some friends who are from Rhodes. We had a very unique experience. And um, from that, as I was walking one day and saw this kind of abandoned building that was just falling down. And I said, I have a whole book. Like I wrote a book in my head. I went back, I sketched it out. I haven't finished writing it. I know the whole thing, I have a story, but I have to sit down and actually it's my plan for later this month is to take two weeks and just finish it. But you, you do get inspired in those moments by things that you've seen and how, and what kind of tale can come from that. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I found myself getting up at four o'clock in the morning or I'd suddenly wake at that sort of time with something, a new, new chapter or a new part of the book. And I couldn't resist. I couldn't lie in bed any longer. I had to get up, yeah. coffee on the go, tapping away at the computer. And, and, it would, <laughs> and, and the, some of the scenes would make me smile or uh, have an emotional reaction. Um, some, suddenly, suddenly the word, words come together and, you, and, and it pleases me. And now I pick the book up and I'll read passages, passages from it to myself. And, mm. um, and yeah, and I do. So I'm very, very pleased. Yeah, very pleased. Oh, I love it. Well, and I just want to go back for a minute when you were talking about um, you know, working with these young people and, you know, whether they, you know, had maybe issues or didn't, or just were looking for adventure. Most teenagers have issues <laughs> some kind or another, or a lot. Um, and I, I, it just sparked into me. Did you feel when you were in those moments? Yes, you were a guide, but did you feel in those moments, like this is also part of why I 
you know, originally became a police officer, for instance, did you have, have times like looking back and saying, you know, it changed the uniform didn't fit. It wasn't, you know, how I wanted to accomplish my job anymore, but did you see, I mean, changing young people's lives like that changes outcomes for, for generations when they, when they learn about themselves and find new, um, you know, parts within them that they never knew existed at, at an, at an age where it's so important to do so. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a very intuitive question because um, the last two years of my police career, I was seconded to a youth service. Mm. Uh, it just fell about. I, I started involved. Uh, I was teaching climbing to young people, some rope skills, those sorts of things. And um, our one of the local youth services, uh, Ox- Oxford, actually asked if they could get a police officer or a fire officer to be involved with young people because seen as a role model, perhaps. Right. And, and I got the job and I got seconded for the last two years of my service. And, and that really convinced me to leave and go and do what I have done. It was a fantastic stepping stone. Uh, and they were very troubled young youngsters. They, they mm-hmm. Education had failed them or they had failed education. Some were into drugs. Some had had awful histories of abuse. And, mm-hmm. uh, and because I was a police officer, I was allowed um, permission on license to take someone from the prison. So we had a couple of guys who were nearing their time and they came out to sort of a uh, part of their rehabilitation. rehabilitation. And, and that was a wonderful experience. And they, they would stay with me for three months, uh, reporting to a youth centre every day. And we would do some outdoor activities. We, again, we would do a project. Again, we would help with the local community. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I finished that was the end of my policing career after 25 years. And then I stepped straight into doing expeditions, uh, still mm-hmm. working with young people. So you're absolutely right that that, that was the stepping stone. And that that did convince me that I was back doing good again. Mm-hmm. I know it may sound a little cliche, but in, in, I joined in 1977 and worked through the 80s and 90s, and, and the, it was very much a vocation, the police service. I'm not so sure yeah, it's the same it's... now. Very much a vocation, and we all joined to catch the bad guys and, 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 and help everyone. You know, mate, you know, if, if you're in danger, you want the police there and you want them to help you. And that's what we're all about. And the, and the police are about that now, but it's, it's just, it's changed slightly, I think. It has. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, we're facing it. We definitely face it in the U.S. right now. I mean, right now we are, you know, having a trial for a police officer that, you know, uh, killed George mm-hmm. Floyd. And um, it was, I mean, there's so much now mistrust and, 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 and in some cases, very rightly so. And um, it's interesting because right now I live in Philadelphia, and we've had um, the we've had I think I think murders uh, are up like thirty percent, and just in this year, and they're mostly young kids that are shooting each other that nobody really knows why. And in the crossfires, young children are dying, and other people are dying, and it's um, it's been really raising this question of how do we stop this ongoing violence when the people are, you know, don't even know why they're, you know, why they're fighting back or why they're retaliating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a systemic systemic issue that, you know, sometimes we don't know, we don't realize that, 
you know, it may seem so important in that neighborhood at that time, but the opportunity to get out and see the rest of the world and find out that we're very much like everybody else, wherever they are. And other communities have the same, you know, challenges, but there's, we're a part of something bigger that that opportunity to travel and then be responsible for helping, you know, a community to build a school or those, those things teach you that you matter, you know, mm-hmm. that you matter and your work matters. And I, I think that is just a, such a phenomenal opportunity. I wish more people had the, had the chance to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Or took if the chance think, to do that. If you think of the, the world, perhaps, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit tarry and everyone with the same brush, perhaps, but it's, it's a bit simplistic. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, that those that have and those that, that have not, if you like, you know, there's part of the populace of the world advancing at an incredible rate. And mm-hmm. there's a part that's still in poverty and, and, and being kept behind, those sorts of things. We're, we're never going to advance. We're always going to have to come back. And the pandemic has shown that. You know, the, you know, it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter what lifestyle or how modern your lifestyle or what conveniences you have. You can get sick and die like anyone else, wherever it is. And, and that's, that's a real leveler. And we should learn from that. We should look at that and say, you know, how do we, as a society, as a species, how do we take care of everyone? And we all travel together. We all evolve together. It's no good yes. shooting off and everyone, these, you know, group of people being fantastic, very happy and, and have everything when those that don't are still going to need our, our help and our demand. Mm-hmm. Let's all travel together. You're absolutely right. I, I love it. I think that's actually a great line. Let's all travel together because we're all on this planet at the same time. We might not be on the same journey, but we are still traveling together. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> There's a tagline. You're welcome. Um, so <laughs> before we take the break though, tell me, so we, we've just kind of teased a little bit about the book. T- give us a little bit more, you know, make, give us some, some, uh, some insights to, you know, the storyline that would make somebody who's listening right now say, I want to buy that book. Okay. So um, the, one of the opening scenes without spoiling it too much is um, the house of commons, uh, which is well-known houses of parliament, you know, in London, and um, there, there's a tradition, there's a statue in bronze of Winston Churchill. And there's a tradition that as the uh, ministers go into, into the House of Commons, they touch his shoe mm-hmm. for good luck. And on this occasion, uh, one of the MPs goes to touch his shoe and he pulls his shoe back. <gasps> and that, that's him. That's him <laughs> coming to life. And of course, it's, it's pandemonium. And, yeah. and there's, there's the security guards, they're drawing their weapons, they're, they're trying to get the prime minister out of the building, there's a threat, and, uh, and, and then this statue speaks, and, and speaks mm-hmm. to, to the minister to say, you know, what do you think you're doing touching my shoe for good luck, you know, something along those lines. Oh. So that's how, that's how it starts, and, and he explains, the, the statue of Churchill explains that they are the form of, um, it's, it's like connecting the dead world with the live world through the embodiment of the statues. Mm-hmm. So they, they have a, a connection and that's how he's able with um, a manipulation of the molecules of stone and metal that we haven't learned how to do yet. He's able to move, speak, but, but normally they wouldn't bother. They just sit and observe, but because it's in such a dire state, the planet, and global warming and everything that goes with it. That's why the statues are coming alive in order to give us this particular message. Oh, I love it. The main character is a a 15 year old girl called Molly Hargreaves. 
who has some had she's had some history with statues and she doesn't trust their benign message and she sets out uh, to prove that something's not quite right. Uh-huh. And um, she gets some help from uh, statue, the statue of Sherlock Holmes. I was an avid fan. I am an avid fan of Sherlock Holmes. That's why I joined the police. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and she gets some help from, from Sherlock Holmes, who, whom, of course, has never lived. So there's, there's, a, there's a paradox there. And, and the book yeah. explains that, what, what's wrong there. And uh, he tries to help her and, uh, and, and she ends up being captured and chased and run around London. And, and because we haven't listened to the, the, the message of the statues, uh, the battle for London begins. Oh, I like it. Does it mean there's going to be a sequel too? <laughs> it, it, it does. It, it does indeed. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. Okay. I'm totally going to order the book because obviously I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes too. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> And when I, when I went to London, we had to go to B, B Baker Street. And yes. uh, I actually have a little card that says Sherlock Holmes from there. Love it. Brilliant. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor for the month, and we will be right back. Solopreneurs and small businesses often struggle to create effective digital marketing programs. It's hard to know where to start, what to prioritize, how to sift through confusing information and solutions that seem too good to be true. Agencies and full-time marketing employees are also expensive. And Marketing You is a modern marketing course with all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your business without that extra set of hands or high overhead costs. At And Marketing You, you will learn exactly what you need to do to execute a concrete marketing strategy by dedicating just two to four hours per week. And Marketing You will help you to execute strategy, messaging, content marketing, SEO, social media, paid digital advertising, and more. You'll have access to on-demand resources, live courses, group coaching sessions, community forums, and networking, plus the exact templates and tools you need for success. I took this course myself, and one of the greatest benefits we gained was learning to develop a competitive strategy that aligned our social media playbook and website to generate highly qualified leads. For all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your small business at a fraction of the cost of hiring a traditional agency or additional employee, go to www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. Again, that's www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. And use the code SHOCK to receive 10% off of any program. And we are back with Kevin Albin. And we are talking, oh my gosh, not only about his um, his history of working with groups and tours and how that evolved from his police career. Talked about his new book, um, which I cannot wait to read. And I don't know if it's on Kindle, but if it's on Kindle, that way I can share it with my mom too. <laughs> so I buy a book on Kindle. She gets to, to read it as well. So all month for pack your bags, you know, I'm a, prior to the pandemic, um, I made my entire living by getting on an airplane and speaking and training somewhere in the world. So obviously that, that changed and somewhere along oh gosh, somewhere in my mid thirties, I finally realized I get to go to all these amazing places, but I was so busy, you know, getting on one airplane and going to the next that I very rarely enjoyed the cities, the towns, the countries that I was in. And so I really made it um, 
a priority for me to, you know, immerse myself and, and you know, be where I can, you know, wherever I am, I want to know about it, even if I have only one day. Um, but I'm so like everybody else. And like you, I am missing travel just for pure joy. So I'm trying to have all my guests like spark within us a desire to go someplace that maybe they've never been before. Um, and, and really look at travel in a way of being much more, um, you know, thankful for it, much more aware and immerse ourselves so that we can gain even more. So if you could pick one place that everyone should go, where would you pick? That's a very easy answer. And it's going to be the island of Borneo. Okay. It's not, it's not necessary. I'm not a sit on the beach kind of guy, um, uh-huh. as you might expect. Um, but the island of Borneo, which is divided between Malaysia, Indonesia and Brunei, but part of it, the Malaysian side, there's a department there called Sabah and, and it's geared very much for tourism, but it is, mm-hmm. it is stunningly beautiful. The interesting thing with Borneo, as you'd expect from someone involved in conservation, is that it is full, still full of biodiversity. Very, very important for, mm. for us, for our health, for the planet, of course. Um, it still has, uh, it is, it is um, shrinking, but it, it still has primary rainforest, which wow. I would urge everyone to go and see. I would mm-hmm. urge everyone to try and save. It is exceptional. There's nothing else like it on the, on the, on the planet. Um, but as well as that, it has uh, a whole host of beautiful, fantastic, interestingly spectacular animals, orangutans, of course, uh, sun bears, which lots of people may not have heard about. It's the smallest species. No, the smallest species of the bear. There are nine species. Uh, and in fact, when I when I won the guide, uh, the bronze in the guide award, I, I won some money, uh, a bursary. And there's a sun bear sanctuary. Uh, at Sepalok in Sabah, and I, I donated the money to the Sunbear Sanctuary, and um, they're as cute as, and that, and that's part of their, their their failing because as young cubs they're very cute and they get stolen, taken from the forest, and sold as pets. Oh no! And oh. Of course, as as with many several of the bear species, the adult bears are captured because uh, for Asian medicine. They tap the gallbladder for bile, which is extremely painful for the bears. They're very, oh, they keep no. them alive, but they tap the gallbladder at the same time. Yeah. It's a practice that really must stop. I want to save the sun bear now, too. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my job. That's excellent. Oh, my God. I've got to um, look it up right so you've, now. You've got, um, you've got mountains. The, the uh, Mount Kinabalu is a beautiful mountain to climb. You've got primary rainforests. You've got stunning beaches. You've got coral reefs. There's a place called Sipadam, which is fantastic. One of the best dive sites in the world. Uh, in the forest or around the forest, there are still local tribes people living fairly traditionally. Uh, Borneo, of course, um, some years ago was the, was, the, was the land of the headhunters. So it's steeped in fantastic oh. history. And um, people are very friendly. Food is amazing. Uh, climate is is. Uh, as you'd expect, you know, near mm-hmm. to the equator there. Um, but that's my favourite place in the world, without a doubt. And I, and the reason for urging, Michael, uh, people to go there, apart from the fact that it's very beautiful, is that um, it is an example of what people are trying to do in order to 
preserve rainforests in order to preserve mm -hmm. the animals to keep the biodiversity you know they're, they're, it's a losing battle at times but there are a lot of uh, ngos a lot of individuals a lot of organizations really working hard um, mm -hmm. to try and to, to try and save our ecosystem yeah mm -hmm. so if you're a bit adventurous and, and you can you can tailor it down you know if you if you like to sit on the beach you can sit on the beach if you want to wander into the jungle you can do that with a guide and, and be very feel very safe if you mm -hmm. want all out adventure you know you and a local person wandering into some penan territory and you can do all of that as well absolutely oh. fantastic I'm, I'm in, I'm in right now. <laughs> and I love beaches too, but I don't like, you know, if I'm going to go travel somewhere, I don't want to just sit on the beach. Now, if I'm going to go to the Florida, I'm going to sit on the beach in Florida. because yeah. <laughs> That's pretty easy. But if I'm going to go that far, I want to, I want to experience, I want to see what it's like, you know, beyond, beyond the beach. Absolutely. Oh, amazing. I love it. Kevin, thank you so much. I bet it's very inspiring. And um, so it, let me just ask you this then if, uh, I mean, if the world starts again, when the world's not, if, when the world starts again, I don't know if you take uh, groups there, but if, um, if somebody was going to say, uh, okay, I want to go to Borneo, what, what's the best way for them to start considering going, just looking it up and going, are there, you know, places that you recommend or yeah, well, I um, you you can do that. You can just get a guidebook, pack your bag, go there. It's geared. Sabah particularly is geared very much for tourism. Uh, you can arrive in country and 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 make your own. The accommodation is cheap. There's lots of guide guiding outfits. I, I've worked very closely with a company called Sticky Rice Travel. Uh, a friend of mine, Charlie, who runs that, and uh, you know he's been there for a long time. He has a very professional outfit, and um, and they, uh, they 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 really do give very professional uh, service. Excellent, excellent. You, but so you can do both. You can you can hire a company. You can do it off your own steam. Uh, all, all is possible. It, as I say, it's geared to tourism, so there's no issue there. It's and and an incredibly safe place. Oh, wonderful. Well, we'll make sure to put a link for that. And I know that we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but in case somebody wants to look you up right now, especially when they want to look at your book, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, just on, on my website, which is kevin-albin, A-L-B-I-N, and uh, they'll, they'll find that and uh, all the details are on there, uh, both as uh, working as a guide, uh, something to do with my book, and, and certainly a flavor of conservation because I'm active in that as well. Excellent. Yes. I thought it was, I loved your website because I thought it was great. You're like, yeah, I wrote a book. So apparently as an author, you need to have a website. So here it is. <laughs> it's <was> great. <laughs> well, Kevin, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yes, I do. And as, as your, your listeners uh, might expect from the conservation, you know, we, we, we've had uh, a real shock with the pandemic, uh, a very sad, uh, um, you know, it's a travesty, the, the number of people that have died. And I'm not into beating up governments and things, you know, it's, it's, um, it's never happened before. It's infinitely difficult to deal with. Mm -hmm. But I'd urge everyone to, to take stock and look at where the world is at the moment. You know, this has arrived because of the lack of biodiversity. There is a direct link with that. Uh, because of what we're doing to the planet, because of the way the planet is changing, the glo global warming, uh, we really you know, be informed, read some books, read the newspaper, 
um, pick out what, what interests you and, and then see how you can make difference. Uh, lobby the governments because you know, they have a different agenda because they need to be re-elected or they're being lobbied by other organisations. Um, but, you know, as a species, let's motivate ourselves and save this beautiful planet. And it is a beautiful mm -hmm. planet. Having been very privileged to see, having seen much of it, it is stunning. And, and we're, we're, we are a lovely species. We, 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 <laughs> we need just to prove that. We need to get yeah. on with it and, and cut out all the stuff that really isn't important. You know? Get mm -hmm. back in with nature. That, that's it. And that, that would be my message. If we can do that, it will be tops. Absolutely. Plus save the sun bears. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for not only sharing your stories, but, uh, you know, inspiring us to make sure that we're better stewards of the planet that gives us life and keeps us going. So I'm so glad that we had a chance to meet. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and Sales Mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.